Hi, this is Audrey Arbini from Audio Brain. And I think what's most on my mind is that the unbelievable speed at which this has exploded in a very serious way. Every single day I read an article. I read about a music program for people with PTSD. I have um, heard people coming out of the auto show and they were really young and they were talking about the experience of the cause with such enthusiasm, the experience. And I've been to the auto show many, many times here in New York and I've never seen people that young, that interested in what was going on in the sound and what they could do and with such, such excitement. I had a client come in with six projects pertaining to voice and sound at one time. This was uh, two weeks ago. So it's going to be very, very exciting to see where all of this goes. And it's also um, a little concerning because a lot of people that you would think would know about this don't. And when they come in for a project, they're like, oh, wow. So it's going to be a fun year. Thank you. Hi, I'm Jim Kennelly, owner of Lotus Productions. As we welcome spring, we also welcome new energy and new thinking. And what's been on our minds at Lotus is we have a new technology, you know, its voice that we know will be applied to business. But how is it going to be applied? Where will the breakthrough enterprise experience come from that requires equal volume and efficiency? You know, in business school, they like to talk about introducing items into the marketplace, like what makes voice better, faster, cheaper? You know, it's fun to say better, faster, cheaper, but each of those items requires a great deal of work. Better is the quality of the synthetic voice, the personalization of data, and NLP will personalize the language customers see and hear, and certainly faster. There's simply no way for human beings on their own to generate enough content and personalize it for customers fast enough to meet the needs of marketing in the very near future. And then cheaper. When and where will it prove less expensive to use a synthesized voice over just recording a professional actor in a traditional way? So these are challenging questions that we're looking at, we're trying to solve, but we really think if we get together with the right people and we share information, that we can and will figure all those things out. Hello, this is Maria Artulaki, Director at Dialog Connection and Principal Consultant Customer Experience at Global Logic. And today I want to rant about the confusion between the terms conversation design and conversational design. I often hear people talk about conversational design and have even seen uh, loads of job posts for conversational designers. And that is just semantically wrong because it kind of, kind of implies that the design or the designer are chatty. 
and of course we only want to refer to the act of designing conversations. So the right terms are conversational AI, conversational AI design, conversational AI designer, conversational experience design, conversational experience designer, but conversation design and conversation designer because we only want to describe that we design conversations and we don't want to uh, declare whether our design choice is that the interface is going to be chatty, conversational, human-like or whatever. And yeah, round over. Thanks. I'm curious about firsts. Firsts are special because we experience them fresh. There can be fear, nervousness, anxiety, but also excitement, wonderment, elation. One first I loved reading about was the first audio recording. Edouard Lyon, Scott de Martinville, a French printer, created a device that could record audio as a print and then play it back. The first known recording is of someone singing a verse from Claire de Lune. It's grainy and eerie, but also wonderful to hear how that actually came out. Before this, audio could only be transmitted into the future through sheet music and written lyrics. Now it was available as a closer representation of how something actually sounded. We're about to enter an era of exponential innovations that will leave us dumbfounded. What? will we expect of eating our first lab-grown meat or our first neural implant experience of being the first time we've been in space as a tourist of not being sure whether we're talking to a human or a machine being confused about that for the first time we have a lot of exciting firsts ahead but a lot of them are very similar to that first audio recording maybe grainy and eerie but eventually life-changing Hey everyone, it's Nick from All Things Wonderword. I'm losing my voice, but uh, one of the things I'm really excited about is to get back to uh, in-person conventions. I think that uh, the pandemic created a unique opportunity for voice, but as that starts to wind down, we're going to get need to get back to more conventional ways of connecting through conferences like Project Voice or through Voice Summit because that's where the deals are made. When somebody could see you, when somebody could shake your hand, when somebody could visually uh, look at the products that you're creating, that's, that's when the deals are being made. So for me, <clears throat> so for me, I feel that as we move uh into the future and um, in-person conventions and uh, conferences come back it's only going to help uh, broaden the relationships that we've already created through uh, the virtual space so with that being said 
Thank you as always, and have a great day. Hello there, my name is Julia Anderson and I am a conversation designer. This month, we've been asked to talk about things that have been top of mind for us as professionals in the voice first or audio space. So lately, I've been thinking a lot about how we use our voices to interact with each other. In particular, I recently adopted a dog and it's changed how I perceive communication and interaction design. Not long after becoming a dog parent, I found out about Stella, the world's first talking dog. I wasn't entirely sure what that meant, um, but I began reading this book called How Stella Learned to Talk by Christina Hunger. With a background in speech pathology, Christina realized that dogs had similar language acquisition skills to children. Having studied language myself in college, I never really thought about this in comparison or seen it in real life until getting a dog of my own. While I'm still working my way through the book, the general premise is that this dog, Stella, was trained to talk by pressing buttons that would say certain words. Over time, she could form sentences with these buttons to communicate with her owner and other humans. This whole concept truly mystifies me as a conversation designer and makes me curious about what else we can learn from these novel forms of communication. After all, language is constantly evolving, both between us and technology and us with other species. Yo, yo, Ken Sims here from VUX World. Top of mind lately for me has been about the advancement of synthetic voice creation. I think that we can often be uh, compelled to kind of just go with the flow of what's out there and what's available. And text-to-speech voices have come a long way, definitely, in the last in the last few years. And some of the WaveNet voices that you hear these days from Google and the like are really, really impressive. But they don't quite sound human. Um, and they're not supposed to, really, if you're creating a voice assistant or a voice application. You don't really want to convince the user that the voice that's speaking is actually a human. You're kind of in the land there of uh, setting potentially some unrealistic expectations. But sometimes you do want a really human-sounding voice without having to go through the expense and rigmarole of finding and hiring and paying for voice actors, especially if you just want something that's very small, very short, um, and I think that the space for synthetic voices is beginning to emerge. There's a company called Respeecher, which you know, some of you may have been aware of. We had Alex Serdiuk, who's the CEO of Respeecher, on the VOX World podcast recently, and that technology is absolutely impressive. It is speech-to-speech technology, which means that rather than writing text and having a synthetic uh, AI system read that text, you speak into the the platform and then it changes your voice into another voice which means that one voice actor could potentially voice an entire game or an entire short film or video and the quality is 
absolutely amazing. So that's the kind of things that have been top of mind on the audio front uh, over the last couple of weeks is being really impressed by just how far the speech synthesis technology uh, has come and is coming. Uh, so do check out Respeecher if you haven't already. I'm Lloyd Ford with Rainmaker Pathway Consulting Works. Grab our free resources at RainmakerPathway.com. We help media and non-media companies grab the right kind of attention and grow value that often turns into pure revenue. This new question is interesting and I'm almost certain I have an answer no one is looking for. The question starts like this, quote, I am sure you have a lot of things that are on your mind as a professional in the voice first audio radio space. If you were to pick one thing you would say has been top of mind for you lately, what would it be? Unquote. Here's my answer. It's the actual sounds of Ukraine. That's right. You know uh, what's actually happening. I often think that, look, we only think about the world largely in terms of what we're around, our immediate influence, neighbors, our neighborhood, the state we live in, um, our country, our own country, the, the, the people in our own circle. However, I am compelled right now to think about the influence sound might have on the future of our world. The value of audio in making impressions and how important sound is, you know, being heard, sharing our voice, sharing the voices of those that are in trouble. It seems like life is moving faster and faster for us in the 21st century, but I would remind you again that if you're within the sound of my voice, no uh, progress is being made. And by that I mean man makes no progress. Behavior largely stays the same. Look at what's happening in the Ukraine. God bless everybody caught in this mess. And we all hope it'll pass soon, of course. But what can be done? Maybe we should think about how our voices, our sounds, their sounds can change the future for good. I'm Lloyd Ford from Rainmaker Pathway. Please be kinder than you have to be. My name is Emily, and I'm a content designer at Willow Tree, co-moderator of the Ethical Use Task Force at the Open Voice Network, and co-host of VoiceSpark Live. One thing that's been at the top of my mind recently is racially inclusive voices. I've now heard several talks by Freddie Feldman, director of voice and conversational interfaces at Walters Kluwer, about how most of the voices we hear for voice assistants not only the ones we use in smart speakers, but also the ones shown on TV shows and movies are primarily white. Voices of color, such as Samuel L. Jackson, are being used more as characters and not as assistants that people can necessarily place their trust in. He ties this back to linguistic profiling, which I talked about a couple episodes ago, which is a term that was created by Dr. John Baugh. The study that Dr. Baugh conducted 
showed that people perceived to be people of color based on the way they sounded on the phone were way more likely to be denied housing opportunities based solely on the sound of their voice than people that were perceived to be white. This study seems to point to the fact that people tend to trust white voices more than other voices. So one thing I've been trying to think about is how do we attempt to try to change that mindset when it's been ingrained into society for so many years? As I start a new voice project, I have an opportunity to make a difference with the type of voice that's being used. And I want to do my best to make a difference in this area and help shape the future for more inclusive voices. Hello everyone, this is Roger Kibbe from Samsung. And the question of the month is, where in the voice first world are you finding intriguing things? And what I'm gonna say is I've been spending a lot of time thinking about Web3 NFTs and the metaverse. And I think there is some great things that can be done with voice in the metaverse. Now, at first thought, how are voice and the metaverse connected? They seem very, very different. Well, let me tell you. So, before you enter any metaverse world, you're allowed to create an avatar and set up how this avatar looks and set clothes in the avatar. You can even buy some clothes. So you can really customize your appearance in the metaverse. Why can't I customize my voice in the metaverse? Why can't I create a synthetic voice that is my own that I can use in the metaverse? And just like the avatar, when I want to change it, I can go change my voice. So the second place where I see voice in the metaverse having some great synergy is bots, and in particular voice bots in the metaverse. So one of the challenges of the metaverse is unless other people are there, it can be kind of a boring place. But what happens when we start filling the metaverse up with bots that we could interact with? So even if someone else wasn't there in the metaverse with us, we could start interacting and have a conversation and learn about what we're seeing from those bots in the metaverse. So those are my answers for the question of the month today. And I look forward to talking to you next month. Hello, this is Amit Bouzid, founder and CEO of Witlingo. Uh, and my answer this month um, is what's top of mind right now for me as I, I'm in the process of getting a book finally out the door with O'Reilly Media. It's been a long process, um, but right now we're in the last, the last two weeks, the, the last mile, so to speak. Um, and so I finally had a chance to take a step back and, and, and look at the, um, the, the product as a whole and I'm starting to reflect about the influences, uh, the influences that uh, that I drew on with my co-author, Dr. Wayama, to um, that informed this book, informed the, the ethos of this book. Uh, and and so I'm realizing that the one particular philosopher has been extremely influential, at least uh, on me, um, and I'm seeing traces of, of that influence all over the place. Um, the philosopher's name is Gilles Deleuze, and he's a, a French late century, late 20th century philosopher. 
uh, and his main thing his main thing is is that um, is that there's a lot of of the a lot of things that we do a lot of the things that we create so to speak are versions of things that already exist um, so for instance in the case of the voice part right so we're trying to emulate something that exists which is the human being as opposed to creating something completely new um, completely new and not a simulation not a simulacra as they say of something a human right um, and that applies for example to text-to-speech um, trying to emulate the human text-to-speech as opposed to something completely different that is able to to uh, fulfill a function in, in communicating uh, and advancing the conversation uh, um, rather than emulating something that exists same thing with the conversational protocols we, we try to use human to human protocols as opposed to creating completely new protocols that um, that fulfill their function the function of moving moving the person forward towards fulfilling a task anyway the point really is that what's top of mind right now for me is this realization that wait wait all of that reading all that writing all that talking um, and thinking um, that, um, that was a result of reading this one philosopher Gilles Deleuze um, is bearing some very concrete fruit um, specifically I mean concretely in designing what kinds of methodologies do I follow and, and what kinds of um, you know what is guiding our what should be guiding our uh, way of designing uh, emulating or creating um, anyway so those are my two cents thanks <laughs>